Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, what does it mean to be a modern warrior? First off, the elephant in the room. Warrior isn't a dirty word. A warrior is mindful. They seek excellence and have learned to control their aggression. It's about understanding leadership, developing individual resilience, and seeking consistent human optimization. Remember, lifting heavy isn't dangerous. Being weak is dangerous. Fortune favors the brave, and you're never given more than you can handle. This, then, is the Warrior You podcast. All call signs. Ready, ready, ready. Let's roll! Of that Trent 2021 new intro, it's great, sounds great, Bram. Well there, done. We, there we are. G'day, team. Well, that's 2020 done and dusted, and uh, finally got to sit opposite Trent here in Adelaide. And um, we're gonna discuss last year in detail. Um, 2020, what a year it was! I, for one, am glad to see the back of it. I don't know about you, Trent. Yeah, it's been a difficult year, hasn't it? Yeah, um, although I must admit that I haven't actually been adversely affected like some people. In fact, professionally, it's been probably the best year that, that we've had and more than ever, uh, organisations looking at companies like ours to support them on their leadership development journey. And hindsight, leadership and resilience, which is obviously my main business, that's the thing that, you know, that we do, it's going well. We've developed a leadership diagnostic that we use to measure teams' leadership strengths areas for development, and then we construct specific training for the participants that will be impactful and translate to their corporate mission success. Anyway, the reason I'm giving you that sort of background on hindsight, not so much to plug it in the podcast, but because we want to share a few things from a leadership perspective that we have learned in 2020 while conducting training with some great iconic businesses. And Here's a few broad observations, and then we'll go in and target a few specific areas around leadership and um, and business. But anyway, what do you got, Trent? Yeah, thanks, Bram. Um, I guess from my perspective, I have to agree, professionally, it's been quite a successful year. Personally, it's been somewhat difficult, and I think that's true for most people. You know, we've, we've struggled on from a personal perspective, but... Uh, you know, change has been constant over the course of 2020, and there's been a great deal of organisational change, uh, which has forced businesses and industries to radically adapt their operating methods. I read recently that uh, something like 70% of middle and upper management's been cleaned out as a result of COVID in a range of uh, countries, and that includes um, those that have resigned as well as those that have been laid off. Wow. The practical regulatory and social impacts of COVID-19 
continue to challenge leaders around the world and particularly from what we've experienced. But despite these challenges presented, fundamentally both junior and senior leaders are facing the same challenges they did in the previous year. So for senior leaders, the issue around constant organisational change, a lack of adequate resourcing or shared resourcing, particular, uh, particularly around uh, sharing of you know, their full-time est- establishment. Yeah, for some that's been insurmountable. The pace of change and the impression that there is insufficient time to land those proposed changes is impacting on junior leaders' ability to prioritise and achieve uh, their mission or the missions that have been set for them. So that's been quite difficult for a number of those junior and middle leaders to uh, to um, to mm. find. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that in some cases the the organisations have been, because they've had to work remotely and become really good at communicating remotely, they've they've become very fast at being able to communicate intent. But what that ends up doing is making them efficient in the transfer of information and then when information changes above them they become frustrated and i think that's one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit a little bit later yeah absolutely and um and and because intent is changing uh, so often um that feels like there's a bit of a deprioritization of of activities that have already mm. been or tasks that have already been distributed to them mm. so junior leaders are eager to deliver on the results um that they're being set but they're insecure and with some exceptions, feel a little unled at time because yeah. of those changing or those shifting priorities in organisations. Yeah, and I think that that feeling of being unled, it's a little bit harsh because you need to take into account the fact that those junior leaders' leaders mm. are also working in a space that's quite um, uncertain and Correct. volatile and you know, all yep. that but um yeah so with a little bit more empathy i think you know perhaps sometimes we can look at our, our leaders and go yeah okay that person's under a lot of pressure as well yeah so so the key is that they feel unled as a result so that's you know we're talking about their lived experience mm. is that they feel unled not mm. understanding the pressures that mm. their leaders leaders are under at the same time and that comes down to to those leaders above them not being able to communicate the pressure that they're under efficiently absolutely yeah. mm. um so the the culture of inclusion oh this would be this would be good <laughs> safe place I, lo- I know that you love that that concept i don't love place. the i don't love the 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 word because it yep. was hijacked years ago, but I sure. but I still like the concept of it. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Mm. So that culture of inclusion and safe place and room to be creative is well understood within the organisation, but perhaps leaned a little too far in that direction in that creation space. I agree. So accordingly, leaders are struggling with the concept that their role is to make a decision and be assertive. And 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 I've been at pains this year to explain to a number of people that being assertive as a leader it does not mean aggressive and quite often we mix up the intent around assertiveness uh, with aggressive and that's that's not it at all no i totally agree with that and i think that that's one of the areas where leadership's been hijacked by people on the extreme left of society and that any and any disagreement is seen as aggressive but that just stifles any sort of creativity in the leadership space and you know i'm not i'm not standing for that as a mm. you know you can't lead like that you need to be able to have robust adult conversations at times yeah which includes um you know respectful disagreement you know there was a, a trend to go very flat and hierarchical structures and 
and all, mm. and I and I understand the uh, the background to that, but it's meant that uh, there's this experience where. Uh, leaders aren't leading because it is so flat, and yeah. there's th- there's not a requirement to make a decision, and we're seeing that play mm. out in some areas. If you want a really good example of how toxic that is, go and have a look at the prime minister's message on LinkedIn with his wife talking um, their their Christmas and New yeah, Year's so. message. Yep, and people just jump on and start character assassinating yep. the person. They're playing the. The, the person, not the ball, yep. you know. And, and at the end of the day, it was a heartfelt Merry Christmas, hey, Happy New Year. Sorry. You know, and I'm not being a bootlicker by saying that. That is a that is a, a man and a woman saying, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, gang, let's hope next year's better. Yep. And while anything they do is going to be politically motivated, got it, because they the position that they're in, there's still no need to jump on there and start slaying them for their, <laughs> for their religious beliefs and the like. I mean... It's just the worst of our society when we start doing that sort of that sort of stuff. We don't and Twitter. I mean, I'm I'm off Twitter yeah. because it's just it's just absolutely it, it's argument for argument's sake. There's no collaboration around. Well, let's fight the problem, not the person. Mm. You know, oh, I just don't see why we. Sh- you know, the, and insults are only ever two or three tweets away. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh I've said often, just just be a good human, mm. and and that particular post just showed how easy it is for for people in the social media space to forget to be a good human, regardless of your your political beliefs. Agreed. Mm. Um, so, I guess getting back to that, you know, being assertive, that, that's where leaders I feel have made uh, that need to, you know, that's where they're earning their uh, their money is making the decisions and and having direct conversations. Um, and that's been particularly evident at the junior level. Also, um, you know, approximately 10 to 20%, you know, it's a rough figure uh, of attendees on our courses. Um, it's interesting that they haven't felt engaged, uh, interested or not available to um, to commit to their own leadership development. And whilst that's disappointing, I, I don't think it's... I don't think that that is different from any of the other organisations. I think that's just human nature. We're being brutally honest here. I wonder how many other organisations are that honest. What we're saying is that we've seen a trend that 10 out of every 100 people Mm. generally are completely disinterested in our product. And we know our product's good, so it's not that. It's just the fact that they're either time poor or they just don't give a shit about their leadership development, to to be perfectly frank. I think it's a combination of both, mm. and it, and of those ten to twenty percent, it's probably split fifty fifty. Those that don't care, and those that are time poor. And uh, again, this comes back to you know, leaders have been given you know, twenty priority one tasks, and I I saw a lot of that, and they were just unable to keep up, and certainly uh, carving out a, a piece of their own personal time, and sorry, prof- and professional time. Uh, to to develop themselves was not um, was not in the not a high priority. Yeah, I saw that in twenty twenty two, mate. Good observation. Yeah, um, and and I guess um, uh, there's always uh, there's always a select carter of attendees that uh, deeply invested in their own development, progressing their own leadership experience. So uh, mm. there was probably the same number of uh, you know the same percentage of people that participated who were deeply engaged. Who really did uh, put in the effort to um, uh, to to find that 
or go that extra mile yeah. in order to uh, develop themselves. So that was really impressive to see. Yeah. And what do you think was one of the, I guess, one of the most impactful, one of the worst things that you saw from a business perspective um, due to, I don't know, massive amounts of work, working remotely and still having to produce the same sort of, uh, I don't know, meetings and attending meetings for the sake of What do you think? Well, um, it's probably that lack of ability to, to dive into that deep work as you've spoken about before. Uh, you know, that overwhelming absence of useful and usable time as members are bouncing around from one back-to-back meeting. It's actually easier now to schedule meeting after meeting um, and it impacts on the, uh, you know, the the course members and people in general and their ability to commit to meaningful planning and consideration time. Okay, so grab a pen and paper, gang, because I've got a, I've got a learning bite here for you, right? Going to give you three seconds. Three, two, one. Right, I hope you've got a pen and paper. So this is the thing. If you have to attend a meeting, right, you need to know, you need to ask the meeting organiser, what do you want me to contribute at the end of that meeting? And if the meeting organiser says, oh, I just want you to hear what we're going to say because I want to show you how good I am, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't need to attend that meeting. Send me the notes. If the meeting organiser says, oh, yes, you will have a deliverable at the end of this meeting, okay, well, then then I'll attend. That People are attending meetings that they could be getting notes on on an email mm. so so my advice is always ask what is the outcome of me being at that meeting do i have to know something in which case email it to me do i have to hear you say something because of a legislative requirement in which case i'll be there or do i have a deliverable that is directly linked to the information that i'm going to achieve by sitting in this meeting or a decision that has to be made at the end of it if it's not if it's not one of those things, then why are you having a meeting? I don't know. I just there's too many meetings. Yeah, and uh, I, I spoke to one particular leader uh, over the course of this year, and I said instead of sending an email, maybe to to get a, a little more engagement, you know, do what we've been doing here on, um, uh, you know, through our sessions and using WhatsApp, and um, you know, send a a short video. Yeah, you know, a lot more engaging. You also get that personality and that experience, and uh, it's a, it's an interesting concept. You know, if it's an email, why if it's a simple email, why not send it as a short video? Yeah, I agree. And leaders are challenged, aren't they, to ensure that team members have adequate time anyway to meet and deliver on the required tasks. And I mean, it became pretty pretty evident to us over time mm. that leaders are penny packeting their productive time across more projects than was in any way sustainable. Um, what, what was the term you used? Um, uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah, I love that. I'm, they're a mile wide and an inch deep. So really they just – and I mean there's some leaders who need to be like that to understand what's going on across whole functions, but there's, there's others that should be making leadership decisions that can't possibly make those decisions by only having a cursory glance. They need to do the deep work. Some leaders need to do the deep work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, prioritisation uh, as well. Um, th- those concerns appear to be largely responsible for this. Uh, it's an obvious trend at the moment to simply accept m- and then push down or delegate every task to to those uh, lower uh, or those the, the smaller team components uh, rather than pushing back and saying no or deprioritising uh, extant tasks that have been that, that are sitting on people's plates. So, um, you know, having those... 
having that moral courage as a leader to be able to say, you, you know what, boss, we just can't, we just can't manage this. Uh, we don't have enough, uh, we don't have enough um, uh, people. And uh, which which job do you want me to to pause or or can for the time being? Yeah. And what do you think was one of the really interesting things that we had to develop as an organisation ourselves for our clients this year? Have you got anything on top of your head? I would say probably the concept of developing a leadership narrative. Oh, nailed it. Yes. Uh, improving uh, team members' ability to deliberately reflect on their teams and their own performance. And it was generally very well accepted at the junior levels. And I would say as a broad generalisation, less well accepted at the senior levels, possibly due to senior leaders being a little less receptive to the concept and that their methods to date uh, may require an alternative perspective. Or, or alternatively, they may have a leadership narrative already in their mind and therefore they've built that. So the new emerging leaders were actually assisting them with that leadership narrative. But we might do a whole podcast on leadership narrative. It's such an important thing and no one's – I don't know any other organisation that's actually focused on it like the way that we have. Yeah, mm. that would be great. Um, I guess from my perspective as well, just to close out, um, individual participation in leadership training is varied significantly between the teams that we've trained uh, and facilitation was really uh, critical to ensure that all individuals were heard uh, and contributed to the overall learning of the team. And that's probably one of the strengths uh, of the program is that uh, we use the, the understandings and the reflection from those participants to, uh, to draw out additional learnings that, you know, myself or yourself aren't necessarily going to or able to bring out because we don't have that experience from a leadership perspective. Yeah, that's very cool. Right, I'm going to go with some big ticket items. Um, again, you may want to grab a paper and pen for these and I'll just give you the headings as we go. So the first one for me was agility. That was the main thing that I saw come out of 2020. So business didn't stop with the pandemic and our clients and, and us as well for that matter, we had to pivot pretty fast to continue to operate and be relevant. Um, I had to move my business almost completely online and offer solutions to our clients online because, you know, you've got to give the, the clients what they ask for at pace. And we needed to innovate as a business and use a subscription model for some parts of our offering and then free offerings for other parts. So we really had to look at the business and then, and then break it into those component parts and, and where they were going to be applied across the sort of spectrum that we work in. All of the solutions that I saw our clients implement were actually based on effectiveness and not necessarily efficiency. And I saw that that as, a, as an extension of being agile. So I'll say that again. All of the solutions that I saw our clients implement during 2020, they were all based on effectiveness and not necessarily efficiency. So some, some of the businesses we supported threw money at problems just to make sure it was effective, um, which means that they could ride out the pandemic. Um, as for... As for hindsight, leadership and resilience, we needed to offer solutions that were interactive, impactful and collaborative, just like our face-to-face training was prior to the pandemic, but now it needed to be all done online. So we needed to be, become experts and fast in technology delivery 
So, for instance, the use of Mentimeter, um, Slack, Basecamp, WebEx, and Zoom, and I'm not talking about months and months to learn this, but we had to, we had to learn this stuff in a matter of days to remain relevant. So being agile, what do you think, Trent? Yeah, and, and things like Airtable as well, which is uh, something we've added recently. New edition. And New edition, yep. Yeah, we don't want to give too much of our secrets away, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that brings me to the next the next main point, which was output versus outcome, or in fact outcome versus output. So an observation that was profound for me was how many leaders needed to change their mindset to become more focused on uh, outcome over output. So, you know, output is the whole nine to five attendance thing, um, work deliverables. Product. Yeah, most of them are rubbish. Um, actually, it seems that the industrious idiot is out on a pedestal and revered as a god for how much shit they can produce and how much work they can create for other people in the organisation. That's what it used to be like. Mm. Um, but working from home had some second-order effects. It meant that leaders were, how would you say it, I guess compelled to learn how to explain their projects or missions better, so they actually needed to be able to explain what it was that they were doing because there was that tyranny of distance. They needed to develop a way to articulate the definition of completion, um, you know, that definition of done to make sure that it was articulated better to their team members because they weren't able to talk about it around the water cooler, for instance. So this was to ensure that the team understood the outcome and not just the output of sitting at a desk. Mm. And, and, in that, and in that vein, I guess team members then needed to become better at managing their own time because, you know, working remotely, you end up having to feed the dog you know, you end up taking it for a walk, jumping on a call. Um, you're working around family schedules. You got to eat when when they want. You know, some of us got fat and very drunk at 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, exercising whenever the team wanted. Some of us got really fit. Um, shout out, shout out, actually, a Katie in Victoria. Uh, she's a was one of the um, Virgin Australia uh, lounge people who I follow on Instagram. She got very very fit in her lounge room. Um, and then sleeping in line with the natural requirements of you know their bodies. So this is what team members were doing. You know, some of us never got out of bed. Um, guilty. And all of this while <laughs> delivering the. I mean, I mean seriously, mate. There was a couple of days there where I just sat in bed with hot chocolate and did Instagram posts and didn't do any work. Um, anyway, I just can't say. I just can't picture that, mate. It's not all kettlebell swings and squats. Anyway, um, and yet all of this. So you know, we're talking working remotely, around the family schedules, eating when you want, drinking when you want, exercising when you want, Mm. you know, getting fit, sleeping whenever you wanted, all of that stuff, and we still had to deliver the outcomes required and we weren't overly concerned with the outputs. Would have thunk it. Were we more effective though? Yeah, I actually think that, I reckon being outcome focused, you're more effective in your own personal time management. If you have the discipline, than if your output focus is like, hey, I'm online and you're just sitting there looking at the screen for the next 12 hours. So outcome is I'm going to achieve this in this time frame and now that time frame is yours, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's not all roses though. It's not all roses and I'll tell you why. A few of the senior leaders 
that I've worked with in particular this year identified this year, last year, identified that they indeed worked harder during the lockdown. No, no crap. So longer hours and more stress, more accountable, more output, more meetings, more to explain to their team members and more time invested to guide those remote teams and individuals. Um, yeah, so leadership, so it seems, and I keep telling you all this, is an energy transference and you need a huge amount of energy to guide a remote team. So if leadership is an energy transference at its core, and, and you're able to get up and, and be seen and moving around the office, if you're trying to do that remotely, it's now reaching out to a lot of people independently, huge amounts of energy. Um, there are systems to maintain the processes that you go through. There's definition of duns to articulate. There's clear authority rails to be ascertained and explained. Um, and leadership as an energy transference is the only solution. You can't escape the fact that as... A leader, you need to put in the work. So tell us about um, clear authority roles. Maybe you can explain that. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, so I think that if you are able to provide people with a left and right of arc for that military, you know, range term, so a rail, a left and right rail, guardrail, guard some some sort of authority for people to be able to make decisions so they're not continually reaching back and asking you permission to do their job. And I think a lot of leaders, what they do is they they think they're leading, but what they've actually got is minions who are just there to give tasks to. It's not the same. Leadership, you need to be able to give someone the authority to to work on a problem and find the solutions within their authority to actually solve that problem. If they're, I used to say this to my soldiers in Afghanistan, for instance, and perhaps a few other commanders should have said this too. Ooh, this will be contentious. <laughs> um, if you've got to ask me permission to shoot someone, you don't have my permission. Because by virtue of the fact that you have the time to ask me means that you're not doing something to save your life or the life of those that you're you know, charged to protect. Charge to protect. Mm. So you don't have my permission to do that. Um, and it's the, same with, it's the same with leadership in the corporate space. If you've got to reach up and ask permission to do something, chances are you probably don't have permission for that because the authority wasn't given to you to do it. Mm. So if we give people a clear left and right of arc and authority, and in fact even list those authority tasks here's all the things that you can do within your authority and then we give them a job to do then that person's pretty clear about the fact of what they can do within their left and right guardrail and i think that that speeds up that's actually what speeds up decision making processes so so the i guess the key component of that is the communication prior to the delegation of the task not just prior all the time Ag- yeah, ag- agreed. But you've got to set up the team with mm. you know adequate resources. You've got to give them uh, you know clear responsibilities. You've got to have trust in their experience mm. or their training or or whatever 
whatever the preconditions are to allow to allow team members or junior team leaders to actually carry out those tasks and not have yep. to reach back all the time. Yeah, and that's why I'm so against siloing information as a leader. If you're siloing information, you're actually you're actually the problem. If yeah. you're not giving people the information. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Um anyway, you know, it seems so you can't I said before you can't escape that uh that work, that energy transference. Um you know, suddenly the all these leaders during the pandemic, they actually needed to have conversations with their team members that were one to ones. Um, as opposed to and there was some there were some leaders who said they'd never had one to ones before. Wow. One of the really interesting things too was the battle buddy system that I saw a couple of our and, and we helped implement a couple of organizations where, you know, and even in one instance, there was someone who was a junior a, a a junior graduate was the one-to-one battle buddy to check up on the mental health of a senior, you know, general manager of a state. Mm. And she was like ringing up, hey, just checking up to see if you're okay. You know, and we're talking now about, oh, this has got nothing to do with work. Yep. This is me checking up to make sure that you're in a good space because you're at home by yourself and I'm your battle buddy and you might be four times higher than me removed as my one-to-one-to-one's boss. Yep. But I'm checking up to make sure you're okay. And, and he completely you know like thank thank you for this like every week she's ringing him up and he 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 in turn had another battle buddy so you have these battle buddy systems where they check up on each other it's pretty cool yeah interesting interesting that's kind of you know treating your team like family yeah you know in in both directions yeah and uh yeah imagine uh, private blogs yep you know calling lieutenant colonel bernard hey hey brother just checking you're all right like on a on a tuesday because you're all working from home well guess what that's it needs must yeah. You know, we've created a system because it doesn't matter what the rank structure is in that organization. Here's a here's a requirement and let's all let's all just remember we're human. Human doesn't team. matter about rank structure at, at this point. Just be a good human. Just be a good human. Um anyway, it seems that leaders are coming around to not micromanaging as a second order effect of the pandemic and to being more focused on outcomes over pure output. Accountability is also, have you got your pen and paper? Accountability is also an old skill that has become new again. Oh my God, who'd have thought it? Accountability of the team member to receive the message, interpret it, ask questions of fact, and then to be held accountable for the resources needed and the delivery of the outcome. This is 100% my favorite lesson of 2020. I'm going to say it again, ready? I'm going to say it again. Accountability is also an old skill that has become new again. Accountability of the team member and then of the leader to hold that person accountable for the resources and the delivery of the outcome. My favorite lesson, accountability is an amazing leadership tool. It's as old as Jesus' dad. (laughs) I mean, it is. I mean, we forget it. And, and yet, and yet, I got pushback on the term accountability. Of course, you did because people don't want to do the job, Trent. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that when I heard it. I was like, yeah. "Oh no, we don't like that. It's too aggressive. It's not aggressive. It's called leadership." Yeah, absolutely. And oh it's such a critical component of leadership. Uh, those same and, people and, saying and holding those, yourself to account, yeah. as well as your leaders and mm. leaders holding team members to account, because you know, uh, without without doing that, you're just unguided. Those same people saying, oh, I don't like the term accountability, it doesn't sit with our corporate blah, blah, blah. They're the ones who, in front of a Senate Estimate Committee or a Royal Commission, 
they're the ones who are actually found to be the problem because they haven't held people accountable for either the values of the organisation yeah. or something financial. And, and we don't talk about this enough. That, oh, we don't like accountability. But guess what? If you went and used, you went and charged your corporate card for blah, blah, blah for, for hundreds of millions of dollars where you shouldn't have, guess what? You're going to be accountable. It's and, a bloody and, important and yet, concept. So, so we're held accountable for those sort of management decisions, mm. but when we're holding people to account for leadership actions, mm. that that's all of a sudden it's considered uncool or not in you know it's not a word that sits comfortably with our with our organisation's values and and it's it was it's a strange separation that it it it's unchallenged from a management accountability, but challenged from a leadership. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's like this crap I saw on Twitter where people were trying to tell homeless people what they should do with the with the limited amount of money that they that they had, you know. And yet, when they're talking about rich people, it's like, oh, you shouldn't tell them how to spend their wealth. Mm. Well, you can't have one and <laughs> you yeah. know one or the other. It's like we either hold us all accountable for financial, you know, you know the way we spend health. our money, or we don't. Financial health. Yeah. Um. Anyway, another observation. Not communicating enough. So there's an old saying, an assumption is always an assumption until you turn it into a fact. And leaders that don't create a safe environment, I'll say, for team members to ask questions run the risk of their projects being derailed by the assumptions of these same said team members. So not communicating enough is another one of my observations um, around you know, some of the things in 2020. And I'll give you an, uh, uh, an example. I assumed, how often do you hear that as an excuse for something going wrong? Oh, I, oh no, I, I assumed that John was going to do that. I'd go so far as to tell leaders, ask your team members, do you have any assumptions? There's a reason we do it in the military. You know, go away, look at the problem, come back and uh, and ask me any assumptions you might have. Because an assumption is generally the thing. It's generally the thing that brings a project unstuck. I mean, you're a project. You, you know, you're an Uber project manager, Trent. You know, I have no doubt that you would be able to put your finger on where projects have derailed, and it's someone somewhere assumed something, or assumed a risk away, or assumed someone else was doing something. Mm. Yeah, communicating too much. What? Surely not. <laughs> but yes. And we just and you 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 just said this a minute well in the introductory uh, comments intro, introductory comments um, if a leader communicates clearly accurately and early and that's the catch right yeah. they run the risk of setting in motion a chain of events that's really hard to stop when more accurate information then comes to hand so. I talk about it a, a lot around high-performing teams are, you know, they are and resilient teams. Communication is a pillar for that. But you can communicate too much too early, and as a leader, sometimes you need to hold a few things to your chest if it's not crystallized yet. And we saw that with our blue chip client. Uh, I won't name them, but we we saw that with them. They are brilliant at communicating. They are probably the best communicators in Australia. They've got systems and processes and their their middle management are brilliant leaders. Yeah, agreed. And then they communicate fast, they communicate clearly, and then their senior leaders above them change the goalposts and it all turns to shizzle, doesn't it? 
not sure that's a word. But you are absolutely mm, 100%. Not a word. 100% correct. And uh, it, it's important for for leaders to to ensure that when they are thinking out loud and that's there's a difference between communication and thinking out loud mm. when they're thinking out loud and and I've made this mistake myself when you think out loud to to your team leaders your middle management um, you have to be very careful that 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 your team leaders your junior team leaders don't then grab that thought that out loud thought mm. which is really should be something written on a whiteboard. It's not crystallised in your head at that particular point in time. It's not strategy. It's not well thought through. Um, that they then don't go off and, you know, make that a reality and then cause the organisation to to expend energy and resources in making that out loud thought a thing. And I've seen it happen more than a few times and um, it's it's really important to communicate when you're just spitballing yeah you're just thinking yeah i agree and i think it's one of those areas where we've noticed so many problems where leaders can't stop the rollerball once they start it um and i'd even go so far as to say that the team members get disillusioned and annoyed and then they blame the leader for their good communication and they don't even realize that the leader had their best interests at heart yeah, it's those left and right turns um, in the direction that the teams are going in that then cause that drop in morale because they're they're wasting energy and effort, and it feels like they're not being given prioritization, uh, prioritized tasks, and it's and it's difficult on the team. Yeah, and you go one of two ways with it, right? Because I'm a firm believer in communicate everything and communicate often, mm. but that also means, hey, I'm going to communicate the frictions that I'm having above and that's why I can't give you all the clear intent that you want. Or you can go the other way and go communicate some things and communicate clearly and try and keep everyone on track. And, and I'm not necessarily – I think – Leadership's one of those funny things where everyone's doing it right and everyone's doing it wrong and there's not there's not a specific way to do it that's going to be perfect. You just have to find your style. My style just happens to be communicate everything, communicate often, and some other people's styles are let's communicate what I can communicate and what I can control. Um, yeah, and I'm, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's some food for thought for a whole other podcast around communication. One of the other areas that I think was a massive sort of, I don't know, profound experience for 2020 was truly empathy. And we saw if you weren't empathetic during a pandemic, well, if you're not going to be empathetic during a pandemic, you know, when are you going to be empathetic? And I think that one of the concepts that we used that was given to me by a, a friend of mine, actually, because I was trying to understand how to articulate a more empathetic style. For, for a while there, I was saying manila, manipulation through ambivalence, so like ambivalent manipulation, and obviously the word manipulation is not great when it comes to leadership. Um, then we were trying to say, let's lead through empathy. But now what we talk about is, you know, that invisible backpack. And what we what we challenge leaders to do is to, to get their teams and say, right, let's talk about empathy and the psychological aspect to empathy and let's talk talk to it through the vehicle that is the invisible backpack. So that is 
everyone is carrying an invisible backpack. That's your superpower. You can see their invisible backpack. And now what you're seeing is that invisible backpack stuffed full of lifelong profound experiences, the things that happened yesterday in their home, the breakup they're going through, the teeth that their kids are losing, the dog that's dying at home, you know, the fight they've had with their auntie or uncle, you know, all the things that are on their mind that they're now bringing in that backpack to work. And so you're conveying a, a topic to them that you want them to solve as part of the, the leadership you know, issue at hand, the task that you're giving them, and they're responding in a way that you've never seen before. Well, they're doing it because there's a whole lot of baggage that's on their mind. It's not necessarily the message that you're conveying as a leader. And I think the more that we can get leaders to understand that everyone's carrying that invisible backpack around, and sometimes it's full and sometimes it's not. But if we can convey that, I think it's a really good way for us to build more empathy across our leadership narratives. Yeah, it's actually probably my greatest learning of uh, 2020 as well is is really um, using that concept of the invisible backpack and getting to, getting to the point quite quickly and asking people straight out before we engage in any particular sessions, hey, what's going on in your life right now? What do you want to share with us? So that I understand that whilst we go through these tasks that you might be having difficulties or you've got to get the kids off to school and that's happening in the next 10 minutes while we're doing this. And those sorts of things, you know, from a simplistic point of view. Um, I thought one of, uh, one of the interesting questions that came up as a result of asking those sorts of questions, and people were responding, you know, quite openly with, um, you know, I'm going through a divorce right now and those sorts of things, which was... Uh, which was, um, you know, it allowed us to be sensitive to the issue right now. But a couple of individuals actually discussed um, the concept of how how personal do we get in the workspace because some people don't want to share their personal uh, situations with um, with their team leaders in the workplace and they want to keep their, their personal life separate from their work life That's and, and vice versa. Crazy. <laughs> it, it's it's absolutely... Well, it, it, do, it does impact. Your, your personal life impacts on your work life and your work life impacts on your yeah, personal life. Yeah, it's more than that, though. You know, it's no... There's no mistake. And, and people wouldn't, you know... Simon Sinek. I mean, there's no mistake that we follow Simon Sinek and we think he's a, he's a great thought leader. Yep. Blue, blue gas, blue flame thought leader on leadership, right? And... And he quite clearly articulates that you spend 80 to 90% of your time at work, you know. And if you're spending all that time at work and you don't have an emotional connection with the people around you, you know, then I don't know, what sort of life are you actually living in? And I, I get I get that people are like, I want to be guarded at work and not tell tell my leaders all this sort of stuff about me and, you know, all that good stuff. But it's not it's not healthy. And And individuals will vary, no doubt. Some people are very private people in at, at work and at home. You know, but there's still a requirement on a leader to understand that that person might have at any given point in time some mental health issues, some invisible backpack being stuffed full of stuff issues, you know, and just to and just to raise it with the team like let's all, you know, and one of the things we do is let's all do a check-in before we have this first session. Who cannot bring 100% of themselves today to this workshop? For whatever reason, 
And someone says, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just not with it. You know, mum's just been diagnosed with cancer. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and, Fair call. And, and what I heard mostly was mm-hmm. I've got this set of financial figures to deliver by the end of the week and this three-hour workshop is really, you know, taking yeah. up too much of my time. And I heard that over and over again. So mm. it was interesting. It, it then allowed me, you know, when 80% of the 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 attendees were mm. saying the same thing, it allowed me to go, okay, how, how, how am I able to abbreviate the conversation to give you more of your time back? Because I know that your priority is not here anyway. You're not giving your best. And therefore, let's help help me to help you. Yeah, I think it's good. And, and then that... Um, became a good outcome for those participants for sure. And then the final, the final um, thing for 2020, the final sort of thing that we learnt was the importance of values and the rediscovery of values. Actually, that people started looking at. Well, you know, the values of the organisation and my values don't necessarily line up. Okay, good. I'm going to leave those sort of comments. Um, or some of my values are askew, you know, or I'm changing my values because I'm actually more emotionally connected to people around me now because of this pandemic. And we did notice people have a switch in in their and consider their values and the corporate values. Yeah, and in line with with values was conversations around values, so feedback, um, you know, team one on ones and those yeah, right. uh, those sorts of things. I uh, noticed that um, it, one of the comments that. Uh, a lot of the course attendees took on board was the fact that it was much easier to have a conversation when you were having conversation around uh, personal values, which you may have explained in your own leadership narrative. So this doesn't fit with you know how I am as a leader or mm. or whatever, and yeah. therefore I'm going to to call it out. Or this is not in line with the company's values, mm. and it's much easier to have those conversations when they're not uh, or are in line with those state yeah, values. I love it. And I, and I find the toughest conversations are generally best had anchored off of a value of the organisation because now it's not your opinion. And, you know, what, one of the things that we both saw in the ADF was that your opinion counted for a lot when you were building soldiers and officers. Mm. But, it, but in the corporate world, your opinion on someone's character doesn't hold the same weight that it does. So you need to be able to use the values to say, hey, I just need you to have a look at these values and maybe we need some behaviours or, or work ethic around these. And, and, if it's, and if it's conducted in a you know, respectful, measured manner, it generally comes off all right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Mate, that's it. That's it for our wrap-up of 2020. Um, you know, we talked about values, empathy, you know, not communicating enough, the fact that it wasn't all roses and that leaders um, were doing a lot more work generally at home online. That was an interesting thing that came out for me. Um, Outcome versus output and how important outcome is to the definition of done and agility. And we started off with some really interesting sort of observations, you know, around uh, the concept of leadership narrative Team members bouncing from business, you know, uh, meeting to meeting. Some people not attending <laughs> our courses 100% there. Was it 10%? 10 That culture of inclusion and and how that perhaps has, has dragged us off, uh, off of a leadership sort of direction that we should be going. And then, 
you know, organizational change. So a lot to take away from from this podcast on on you know on the Warrior You podcast and hindsight leadership and resilience in particular our work that we've done with some big big uh, corporates over the last year. More to come next year. However, next week we're going to be discussing Ronald Reagan. Is that right? Are you excited about that? I'm I'm stoked to uh, talk about Ronald Reagan. I think uh, I think he is one of the one of the better leaders. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so, so yeah, very, very good. Keen. Very keen. Let's get into that. Yep. All right. Thanks very much for tuning in, folks. And as usual, you can uh, leave us a message, send us a direct message on Instagram or whatever, and um, we'll answer any questions you might have. Now I've just got to find some music. Okay. It's all bloody amateur week here. 2021. Let's get into it. All right. See you later, gang. Not even going to edit that. Oh, it's still playing. Hang on. Ciao.